Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. Alice Parker Butler was an American author and humorist who lived from 1869 to 1937. He was born in Muscatine, Iowa and became well known for his humorous short stories that often appeared in magazines such as the Saturday Evening Post and the American Magazine. He wrote many popular pieces, including Pigs is Pigs, which was one of his most famous works and became a classic in American humor. Butler was known for his clever use of language, his wry sense of humor, and his ability to create memorable characters and situations. His works often dealt with everyday topics and themes and poked fun at the foibles of human nature. We are reading his short story today, Pigs as Pigs. If you enjoy our program, please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account ZZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Mike Flannery, the Westcott agent of the Interurban Express Company, leaned over the counter of the Express office and shook his fist. Mr. Morehouse, angry and red, stood on the other side of the counter, trembling with rage. The argument had been long and heated, and at last Mr. Morehouse had talked himself speechless. The cause of the trouble stood on the counter between the two men. It was a soap box across the top of which were nailed a number of strips, forming a rough but serviceable cage. In it two spotted guinea pigs were greedily eating lettuce leaves. Do as you like, then, shouted Flannery, pay for them and take them, or don't pay for them and leave them be. Rules is rules, Mr. Morehouse, and Mike Flannery's not going to be called down fair breaking of them. But, you everlastingly stupid idiot, shouted Mr. Morehouse, madly shaking a flimsy printed book beneath the agent's nose, can't you read it here in your own plain printed rates? Pets, domestic, Franklin to Westcott, if properly boxed, 25 cents each. He threw the book on the counter in disgust. What more do you want? Aren't they pets? Aren't they domestic? Aren't they properly boxed? What? He turned and walked back and forth rapidly, frowning ferociously. Suddenly he turned to Flannery and forcing his voice to an artificial calmness spoke slowly but with intense sarcasm. Pets, he said P.T.S. 25 cents each. There are two of them. One. Two. Two times twenty-five or fifty. Can you understand that? I offer you fifty cents. Flannery reached for the book. He ran his hand through the pages and stopped at page sixty-four. And I don't take fifty cents, he whispered in mockery. 
Here's the rule for UT when the agent be in any doubt regarding which of two rates applies to a shipment, he shall charge the larger. The consigning Y may file a claim for the overcharge. In this case, Mr. Morehouse, I'd be in doubt. Pets them animals may be, and domestic they be, but pigs I'm blame sure they do be, and me rules as plain as the nose on your face, pigs Franklin to Westcott, 30 cents each. And Mr. Morehouse, by me arithmetical knowledge, two times 30 comes to 60 cents. Mr. Morehouse shook his head savagely. Nonsense, he shouted, confounded nonsense, I tell you. Why, you poor ignorant foreigner, that rule means common pigs, domestic pigs, not guinea pigs. Flannery was stubborn. Pigs is pigs, he declared firmly. Guinea pigs, or dago pigs or Irish pigs is all the same to the Interurban Express Company and to Mike Flannery. TH nationality of the pig creates no differentiality in the rate, Mr. Morehouse. Twould be the same as the Dutch pigs or Rushan pigs. Mike Flannery, he added, is here to tend to the express business and not to the conversation with Dago pigs in 17 languages fair to discover be they Chinese or Tipperary by birth and nativity. Mr. Morehouse hesitated. He bit his lip and then flung out his arms wildly. Very well, he shouted, you shall hear of this. Your president shall hear of this. It is an outrage. I have offered you 50 cents. You refuse it. Keep the pigs until you are ready to take the 50 cents, but by George, sir, if one hair of those pigs' heads is harmed, I will have the law on you. He turned and stalked out, slamming the door. Flannery carefully lifted the soap box from the counter and placed it in a corner. He was not worried. He felt the peace that comes to a faithful servant who has done his duty and done it well. Mr. Morehouse went home raging. His boy, who had been awaiting the guinea pigs, knew better than to ask him for them. He was a normal boy and therefore always had a guilty conscience when his father was angry. So the boy slipped quietly around the house. There is nothing so soothing to a guilty conscience as to be out of the path of the Avenger. Mr. Morehouse stormed into the house. Where's the ink? He shouted at his wife as soon as his foot was across the door sill. Mrs. Morehouse jumped guiltily. She never used ink. She had not seen the ink, nor moved the ink, nor thought of the ink but her husband's tone convicted her of the guilt of having born and reared a boy, and she knew that whenever her husband wanted anything in a loud voice, the boy had been at it. I'll find Sammy, she said meekly. When the ink was found, Mr. Morehouse wrote rapidly, and he read the completed letter and smiled a triumphant smile. That will settle that crazy Irishman, he exclaimed. When they get that letter, he will hunt another job, all right. A week later, Mr. Morehouse received a long official envelope with the card of the Interurban Express Company in the upper left corner. He tore it open eagerly and drew out a sheet of paper. 
At the top it bore the number A6754. The letter was short. Subject Ray on guinea pigs, it said, Dr. Sir we are in receipt of your letter regarding rate on guinea pigs between Franklin and Westcott addressed to the president of this company. All claims for overcharge should be addressed to the claims department. Mr. Morehouse wrote to the claims department. He wrote six pages of choice sarcasm, vituperation and argument and sent them to the claims department. A few weeks later he received a reply from the claims department. Attached to it was his last letter. Doctor Sir, said the reply. Your letter of the 16th INST, addressed to this department, subject rate on guinea pigs from Franklin to Westcott, read. We have taken up the matter with our agent at Westcott, and his reply is attached herewith. He informs us that you refuse to receive the consignment or to pay the charges. You have therefore no claim against this company, and your letter regarding the proper rate on the consignment should be addressed to our tariff department. Mr. Morehouse wrote to the tariff department. He stated his case clearly and gave his arguments in full, quoting a page or two from the encyclopedia to prove that guinea pigs were not common pigs. With the care that characterizes corporations when they are systematically conducted, Mr. Morehouse's letter was numbered O.KD and started through the regular channels. Duplicate copies of the bill of lading, manifest, Flannery's receipt for the package and several other pertinent papers were pinned to the letter and they were passed to the head of the tariff department. The head of the tariff department put his feet on his desk and yawned. He looked through the papers carelessly. Miss Kane, he said to his stenographer, take this letter. Agent, Westcott, and J. Please advise why consignment referred to in attached papers was refused domestic pet rates. Miss Kane made a series of curves and angles on her notebook and waited with pencil poised. The head of the department looked at the papers again. Ah. Huh. Guinea pigs, he said, probably starved to death by this time. Add this to that letter, give condition of consignment at present. He tossed the papers onto the stenographer's desk, took his feet from his own desk and went out to lunch. When Mike Flannery received the letter, he scratched his head. Give prison condition, he repeated thoughtfully. Now what do them clerks be wanting to know? I wonder. Precinct condition is UT. Tim Pigs, praise St. Patrick, to be in good health, so far as I know, but I never was no veterinary surgeon to Dago Pigs. Maybe Tim Clerks wants me to call in a pig doctor and have their pulses took. One thing I do know, however, which is they've glorious appetites for pigs of their so eyes. Eight. They'd eat the brass padlocks off of a barn door I hit the patty pig, by the same token, eat as hearty as these dago pigs do, there'd be a famine in Ireland. To assure himself that his report would be up to date, Flannery went to the rear of the office and looked into the cage. The pigs had been transferred to a larger boxy dry goods box. One, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, he counted. Sithen spotted in one all black. All well and hearty and all eaten like raging hippopotamuses. He went back to his desk and wrote. Mr. Morgan, head of tariff department, he wrote. Why do I say Dago pigs is pigs because they is pigs and will be till you say they ain't which is what the rule book says stop your jollying me you know it as well as I do. As to health they are all well and hoping you are the same. P.S. There are eight now the family increased all good eaters. P.S. I paid out so far two dollars for cabbage which they like shall I put in bill for same what? Morgan, head of the tariff department, when he received this letter, laughed. He read it again and became serious. By George, he said, Flannery is right, pigs is pigs. I'll have to get authority on this thing. Meanwhile, Miss Kane, take this letter, Agent Westcott, N.J., regarding shipment guinea pigs, file no. A 6754. Rule 83, general instruction to agents, clearly states that agents shall collect from consigning all costs of provender, etc., etc., required for livestock while in transit or storage. You will proceed to collect same from consignee. Flannery received this letter next morning, and when he read it he grinned. Proceed to collect, he said softly. How them clerks do like to be talking. Me proceed to collect two dollars and twenty-five cents off Mr. Morehouse. I wonder do them clerks know Mr. Morehouse? I'll get it. Oh, yes. Mr. Morehouse, two and a quarter, please. Certain a why, me dear Fried Flannery. Delighted. Not. Flannery drove the express wagon to Mr. Morehouse's door. Mr. Morehouse answered the bell. Ah, ah, he cried as soon as he saw it was Flannery. So you've come to your senses at last, have you? I thought you would. Bring the box in. IHEV no box, said Flannery coldly. IHEV a bill again Mr. John C. Morehouse for $2.25 for cabbage Satan by his Dago pigs. Would you wish to pay UT? Pay cabbages, gasped Mr. Morehouse. Do you mean to say that two little guinea pigs dash? Eight, said Flannery. Papa and Mama and the six children. Eight. For answer, Mr. Morehouse slammed the door in Flannery's face. Flannery looked at the door reproachfully. I take you tea the consign I don't want to pay for thin cabbages, he said. If I know signs of refusal, the consign why refuses to pay for one dang cabbage leaf and be hanged to me. Mr. Morgan, the head of the tariff department, consulted the president of the Interurban Express Company regarding guinea pigs as to whether they were pigs or not pigs. The president was inclined to treat the matter lightly. What is the rate on pigs and on pets? He asked. Pigs 30 cents, 
Pets 25, said Morgan. Then of course guinea pigs are pigs, said the president. Yes, agreed Morgan, I look at it that way, too. A thing that can come under two rates is naturally due to be classed as the higher. But are guinea pigs, pigs? Aren't they rabbits? Come to think of it, said the president, I believe they are more like rabbits. Sort of halfway station between pig and rabbit. I think the question is this, are guinea pigs of the domestic pig family? I'll ask Professor Gordon. He is authority on such things. Leave the papers with me. The president put the papers on his desk and wrote a letter to Professor Gordon. Unfortunately, the professor was in South America collecting zoological specimens and the letter was forwarded to him by his wife. As the professor was in the highest Andes, where no white man had ever penetrated, the letter was many months in reaching him. The president forgot the guinea pigs, Morgan forgot them, Mr. Morehouse forgot them, but Flannery did not. One half of his time he gave to the duties of his agency, the other half was devoted to the guinea pigs. Long before Professor Gordon received the president's letter, Morgan received one from Flannery. About them Dago pigs, it said, what shall I do? They are great in family life. No race suicide for them. There are 32 now. Shall I sell them? Do you take this express office for a menagerie? Answer quick. Morgan reached for a telegraph blank and wrote, Agent, Westcott, don't sell pigs. He then wrote Flannery a letter calling his attention to the fact that the pigs were not the property of the company but were merely being held during a settlement of a dispute regarding rates. He advised Flannery to take the best possible care of them. Flannery, letter in hand, looked at the pigs inside. The dry goods box cage had become too small. He boarded up 20 feet of the rear of the express office to make a large and airy home for them and went about his business. He worked with feverish intensity when on his rounds for the pigs required attention and took most of his time. Some months later, in desperation, he seized a sheet of paper and wrote 160 across it and mailed it to Morgan. Morgan returned it asking for explanation. Flannery replied, There be now 160 of them Dago pigs. For heaven's sake, let me sell off some. Do you want me to go crazy? What? Sell no pigs, Morgan wired. Not long after this, the president of the express company received a letter from Professor Gordon. It was a long and scholarly letter, but the point was that the guinea pig was the cava aparillo while the common pig was the genius Seuss of the family Suedae. He remarked that they were prolific and multiplied rapidly. They are not pigs, said the president, decidedly, to Morgan. The 25 cent ray applies. Morgan made the proper notation on the papers that had accumulated in file A6754 and turned them over to the audit department. The audit department took some time to look the matter up 
and after the usual delay wrote Flannery that as he had on hand 160 guinea pigs, the property of consignee, he should deliver them and collect charges at the rate of 25 cents each. Flannery spent a day hurrying his charges through a narrow opening in their cage so that he might count them. Audit department, he wrote, when he had finished the count, you were way off there maybe was 160 dago pigs once, but wake up don't be a back number. I've got even 800, now shall I collect for 800 or what? How about $64 I pay up for cabbages? It required a great many letters back and forth before the audit department was able to understand why the error had been made of billing 160 instead of 800 and still more time for it to get the meaning of the cabbages. Flannery was crowded into a few feet at the extreme front of the office. The pigs had all the rest of the room and two boys were employed constantly attending to them. The day after Flannery had counted the guinea pigs there were eight more headed to his drove and by the time the audit department gave him authority to collect for 800 Flannery had given up all attempts to attend to the receipt or the delivery of goods. He was hastily building galleries around the express office, tier above tier. He had 4,064 guinea pigs to care for. More were arriving daily. Immediately following its authorization, the audit department sent another letter, but Flannery was too busy to open it. They wrote another and then they telegraphed. Error in guinea pig bill. Collect for two guinea pigs, 50 cents. Deliver all to consignee. Flannery read the telegram and cheered up. He wrote out a bill as rapidly as his pencil could travel over paper and ran all the way to the Morehouse home. At the key, he stopped suddenly. The house stared at him with vacant eyes. The windows were bare of curtains and he could see into the empty rooms. A sign on the porch said, to let. Mr. Morehouse had moved. Flannery ran all the way back to the express office. 69 guinea pigs had been born during his absence. He ran out again and made feverish inquiries in the village. Mr. Morehouse had not only moved, but he had left Westcott. Flannery returned to the express office and found that 206 guinea pigs had entered the world since he left it. He wrote a telegram to the audit department. Can't collect 50 cents for two Dago pigs consignee has left town address unknown. What shall I do? Flannery. The telegram was handed to one of the clerks in the audit department and as he read it, he laughed. Flannery must be crazy. He ought to know that the thing to do is to return the consignment here, said the clerk. He telegraphed Flannery to send the pigs to the main office of the company at Franklin. When Flannery received the telegram, he set to work. The six boys being engaged to help him also set to work. They worked with the haste of desperate men, making cages out of soap boxes, cracker boxes, and all kinds of boxes, and as fast as the cages were completed, they filled them with guinea pigs and expressed them to Franklin. 
Day after day the cages of guinea pigs flowed in a steady stream from Westcott to Franklin, and still Flannery and his six helpers ripped and nailed and packed relentlessly and feverishly. At the end of the week, they had shipped 280 cases of guinea pigs, and there were in the express office 704 more pigs than when they began packing them. Stop sending pigs. Warehouse full, came a telegram to Flannery. He stopped packing only long enough to wire back, can't stop, and kept on sending them. On the next train up from Franklin came one of the company's inspectors. He had instructions to stop the stream of guinea pigs at all hazards. As his train drew up at Westcott Station he saw a cattle car standing on the express company's siding. When he reached the express office he saw the express wagon backed up to the door. Six boys were carrying bushel baskets full of guinea pigs from the office and dumping them into the wagon. Inside the room Flannery, with his coat and vest off, was shoveling guinea pigs into bushel baskets with a coal scoop. He was winding up the guinea pig episode. He looked up at the inspector with a snore of anger. One wagon load more and I'll be quit of them and neither will ye catch Flannery with no more foreign pigs on his hands. No, sir. They near was the death o' me. Next time I'll know that pigs of waver nationality is domestic pets and go at the lowest rate. He began shoveling again rapidly, speaking quickly between breaths. Rules may be rules, but you can't fool Mike Flannery twice with the same trick when UT comes to list stock, dang the rules. So long as Flannery runs this express office pigs is pets and cows is pets and horses is pets and lions and tigers and Rocky Mountain goats is pets and the rate on them is 25 cents. He paused long enough to let one of the boys put an empty basket in the place of the one he had just filled. There were only a few guinea pigs left. As he noted their limited number his natural habit of looking on the bright side returned. Well, anyhow, he said cheerfully, tis not so bad as UT might be. What if them dago pigs had been elephants?